0: G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. And we certainly have one of those today with Nickel Search. The code is NIS, trading at 13.5 cents for a uh, relatively modest market cap of only 13 million, which is just where Garen Perro likes to see things. Particularly when a company is about to embark on an exciting exploration program. In the case of Nickel Search, it's all in the name. About to explore uh, high grade nickel targets at the Carling Up project, which is near Ravensthorpe in WA. It's a known nickel belt. The company actually has a resource base of uh, 170,000 tons of uh, contained nickel already. But, and in the background, the company's been working at commercializing that. But today, we thought we'd focus on this exciting upcoming exploration program. And we have the MD with us today, Nicole Duncan, to fill us in and bring us up to speed on what we should be looking out for. So, with that, good day, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Barry. Appreciate it.
0: Now, Cole, if I can just indulge myself here and give people a feel for just where nickel's at at the moment, it's actually been uh, probably the best of the base metal performance in 2022. The year average is more than uh, $25,000 a tonne. That compares with uh, $18,000 a tonne in 21. And as we speak today, just before Christmas, it's at $31,400, a good time to be exploring for nickel. So... You guys have been at it since, uh, well, since you listed in October 21. So give us a bit of a feel for how you've progressed to this state where you've got this uh, exciting exploration program coming up.
1: Certainly. And yes, the nickel price has had a pop just uh, in the last couple of days, which is always really uh, interesting to understand why. Uh, The focus for us since listing has been using the time to uh, get ready to be able to drill the greenfield targets. And I'll talk about that in a moment. At the same time, we also did uh, drilling in order to get metallurgical samples for our processing test work, which has kicked off. And we did drilling for resource estimation, which uh, we're working through right now. As you said, we have 171 Uh, kilotons of contained nickel and looking to um, you know continually update our resource estimation so while we were doing all that drilling at the same time we were doing a lot of preparatory work for greenfield uh, exploration Uh, nickel sulfides are traditionally can be quite difficult to find and so in order to make the best use of money, it's good to do uh, preparatory work to understand what the science is telling us, and that's what we've been doing in the background.
0: Right. So you've worked up a uh, a portfolio, as it were, of uh, targets that you'll uh, be drilling soon.
1: Yeah, that's right. So we've got over thirty targets. Stepping back a moment, Barry, we've got a hundred and eight square kilometres at our Carling Up project, as you say, just outside of Ravensthorpe. And fundamentally, there's two trends there. There's the Carling Up trend and the Ravensthorpe range trend. And we have, through this work, identified over 30 greenfield targets for high-grade nickel sulphide. Of those 30-plus targets, 14 are priority one, so the highest priority for us. And we're just about to move into the start of um, some further drilling. In terms of how we came up with those 30 targets, uh, we've done a whole bunch of work uh, over the year. So we've flown airborne EM across the entire tenement. Uh, we've also done ultrafine soil sampling. We've done, uh, we've revisited some magnetics that we've had done. We've done some new magnetics. We've done downhole EM. So there's a whole series of um, activities that we've done, and that the what we're trying to do is to layer all the information on top of each other and identify the targets that tick the most boxes um, as indicators of nickel sulfide. Uh, Now, the reason we do that is because these pods of nickel sulfide, um, a good visual for understanding them is, you know, they can be um, the size of a, a large house, which is, you know, seems big on the surface. But when you're talking about something that's 200, 300, 500 metres below surface um, is relatively then discrete, uh, And it gives almost, you know, very little indication at surface that it's there. And so the more time and um, thoughtful work you can do, trying to identify, you know, or, uh, or align all of the indicators to give you the best sense of where to drill and therefore how best to use the money, you know, um, on on those drilling meters. So it, it is painstaking work, uh, but we're just about to now launch into a, a methodical program of drilling the targets.
0: Now, I mentioned um, there is a production history in that uh, at the projects, um, yeah. 16,000 tons at 3.45% nickel. That's but right. Quite clearly, the work you've done has indicated this this particular area, and it's in the same neck of the woods as uh, Western Areas, uh, now owned by IGOs and uh, nickel operations. But quite clearly, uh, culling up, the trends there are uh, underexplored.
1: Yeah, that's right, Barry. So as you say, we're in the same greenstone corridor as Forestania, and the reason that's important is because uh, we're both comatiotic nickel sulphide Uh, deposits and if you look at forestania uh, as a you know an example of this type of deposit model you don't just get one one pod of nickel sulfide Mm. so at forestania you you get the pods forming along the trend so the you know the first pod they have is flying fox then new morning then sunrise and spotted quoll so you, you get these discrete pods uh you know, along, along the trend line, which is basically how the lava flowed when the Earth's crust was forming. So, you know, we're the same greenstone corridor, so the same aged rock, the same type of rock. And as you say, our tenements hosted RAV8. So RAV8 was mined by Tectonic from 2000 to 2007 and that produced, you know, 16,000 uh, tons at high grade. Mm. And so it's the first pod, and it's the only pod of high grade nickel sulfide that's been found along that trend. And so really for us, if we, you know, I like to think about them as um, pearls on a on a string of um, pearl necklace, mm. you, you, you find one, but then surely you're going to find others along that same trend line. And so for us, it's about we've got RAV8 as one pod, so what else is there? But this comes back to the fact that these pods, they appear at depth. Uh, And so, you know, it's not easy to find them. You know that they're there, but Mm. it's not easy to know exactly where. And so it's all about making sure that the money spent drilling is as efficient as possible. Um, So, And it is underexplored, Barry, even though the whole area of Ravensthorpe has got um, a history of nickel. In fact, it's Mm. got a history of copper, gold, nickel and now lithium. Um, The nickel historically has been nickel laterite with, you know, uh, First Quantum's uh, nickel laterite project right there in Ravensthorpe. And so, a lot of the historical work that's been done in our area has been really shallow. So, drill holes of 80 meters, um, 80 or 100 meters. Uh, and, you know, that's because nickel laterite is weathered nickel and it appears very close to the surface. Whereas we're a nickel sulfide clay. And so, we have to explore at depth. Uh, and so, that's, you know, that's why our holes have to be so much deeper. And when you look at what's at you know what's been done in terms of drilling at depth there's been pretty much no deep drilling done across our tenements and so that's what we have to do the challenge is that those like I say those um, that drilling's expensive so it's about making sure we're being uh, prudent with where we do the drilling.
0: Mm, okay so you at the point yet where you've uh, secured a drilling contractor? Yes
1: yeah, so we've just um, a we had a one short program that we completed in October. We're just about to um, release the results from that. That was uh, very uh, encouraging. We drilled at two targets there. So um, our target's called Javelin and Ravate. Um And now we've secured a drilling contractor for this next upcoming program and we'll be um, hitting more of our targets. So we'll um, likely go back to... Uh, Javelin, but we'll also go into the Sexton target um, and Ravate again. Uh, And then we'll uh, be working with the department on more uh, programs of work. So the approvals to drill. So we've got the drilling company secured and, you know, we've got POWs in place that give us permission to drill. So it's just about managing the um, Christmas break coming up um, and, you know, making sure that We're hitting the ground, you know, either before Christmas or very early in the new year to start that drilling.
0: Right, okay. And uh, just on the naming of these uh, targets, Sexton, Javelin, is there any rhyme or reason to them?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so so there's been, like I said, there's a heap of uh, work has been done in this area over the years. So Companies like Otakumpu and WMC mm. and mm-hmm. Tracker and Tectonic, you know, have been active exploring in the area. So what we have is a bunch of targets that have different names, mm. um, but we're trying to bring all that information together and align it and so along the carling up trend we're giving them track and field names
0: I thought so, yeah. so the
1: newer targets like javelin and hurdle and sprint and relay
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and then along the ravensthorpe range we thought we would name them after the beautiful uh flowers the wildflowers okay. of mm-hmm. the ravensthorpe area so we've we've started to name our targets there but then there's historical targets um you know that have already been named that it's just probably easier just to leave them be so that's serendipity b1 sexton um and you know others rav8 rav1 rav4 so unfortunately we've got a bit of a mixture there but they all have a history and all have a have a story in actual fact speaking of the stories the um some of the targets are named after the founding shareholders of Nickel Search, so we've, oh, nice um, yeah, Ellis Wadley and Lipple. and mm-hmm. so you know we we're just, we're also you know very very conscious of our history and trying to recognise where we've come from in some of our target names as well.
0: Mm. Well, history has shown us that uh, discoveries become their name, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like...
1: yeah very conscious of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Jules Lamar could have well disappeared into the ether as an exploration project, but, yep. um, you know, uh, Chelsea yep. went on and found one of the best discoveries in decades. So.
1: I know. It's a great discovery they've got there, hmm. the, the gift that keeps on giving.
0: Yeah. So the actual, so you're doing the uh, drilling in sort of hmm. campaigns, you're not, it won't be continual, so you be drilling a batch, reviewing the results, and then going back? yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. So we are doing it in campaigns at the moment, um, because it is true greenfield work. Yeah. And so um, we really just want the opportunity to understand, you know, the data that we're getting back. Um, and also, we are working within the approved programs of work. It's a really interesting part of Australia, and particularly Western Australia. It's, um, it's you know, there's a lot of pastoral leases there, but there's mm. also freehold lease, a uh, freehold title down in Ravenslaught. Mm. So we're, we're navigating an uh, area that has crown land, pastoral land, road reserves and freehold. Mm. And so, um, you know, working with all the departments to make sure that we've, uh, you know, done all of the pre-work in order for them to grant us the approvals, that does take some time. And I I think as well that that is something that, um, you know, the the department has been under-resourced. So they've been struggling to keep up with the demand from all the explorers to get all the approvals out. I, I know that they've worked through some of that now. Um, but, you know, it's just we've got to sort of manage what we've got approval to do and, you know, and also what we've got information that supports the work of. So um, the good thing is, is that, you know, we are getting the approvals. Mm-hmm. So it's not a question of if we're going to get the approval. It's just when we get the approval. Um, so, you know, that that with good planning is all very manageable.
0: And, of course, um, uh, drill programs, uh, campaigns, whatever. Uh, it could be changed dramatically if you hit forty meters at three uh, or four percent nickel somewhere.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> and we've got to be we've got to be ready for that. I would call that a champagne problem to have. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what we've done is we've planned out a program uh, for what we've got coming up most immediately um, to you know hit as many of the targets as possible in the most sensible way, and yeah. you know we'll look to. Release uh, that you know the the plans of the drilling and what we're intending to hit, um, and you know because what what we did do on the last uh, program in October we drilled four holes and then we did downhole EM and so we'll we'll update the market with what the downhole EM told us, mm. um, and so you know it's then about going back and trying to um, understand you know. How best to test each of the targets with the information we've got, but if we get uh, a great hit on an early target, then obviously the market's going to want us to understand that better and to pivot quite quickly in the moment, which we're absolutely prepared to do. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we've just we've just got to be dynamic and and reactive to the information we've got, but we're you know we've got a plan in place um, that will you know see us testing as many targets as possible. And we're also uh, going to be working um, with a a drilling company that uh, we're going to be trialling in this next program uh, offering that they have called an Enviropod, which uh, rather than digging sumps to hold the water and the material coming up from the drilling, they've got an above-ground container basically that captures all of the all of Mm -hmm. the water and materials coming out of the hole. Um, And then that means that we can dispose of that material, um, you know, and not put it back into the ground, but, you know, dispose of it in an approved uh, disposal area. So, you know, we're going to test that in terms of, you know, does that help us to manage our environmental footprint uh, better? Um, You know, because again, like I said, we're dealing with landholders and farmers, and it's in a very environmentally sensitive area. So we want to be Quite careful and cautious about our um, about our footprint from exploration.
0: Mm. I'm based in uh, Victoria, of course, and it's standard practice here. Um, mm.
1: There cause... you go. Well, Western Australia's still got you know below ground sumps um, that you can dig, but uh, yes, yeah, and actually we're getting this EnviroPod back from the east coast to trial it. So, yeah,
0: okay, good stuff. Mm. Good to see. Mm. Um, I think uh, we should. Uh, Give investors a bit of an update. I think you do have a resource estimation update coming from your extensional drilling of the the known uh, deposits. Yes. When's that likely?
1: Yeah. so we're looking at getting that out uh, before Christmas. So that's um, Mm -hmm. feverishly working on that. And if we can't hit the Christmas deadline, it will be, you know, um, end of January. So it's, it's coming out imminently, which is exciting. And what we're looking to do there, Barry, is... Uh, put all of our uh, resources on the same footing because they've all been done to different um, cutoff grades and different, right. um, mm. you know, uh, different models applied to them in terms of, you know, are they economically feasible? So we just want to get everything on the same footing. uh, And then, you know, as we move into, say, scoping study, uh, be able to then, you know, take the resource estimation forward as the scoping study develops. So um, we're just taking a bit of time to make sure that, uh, you know, we're always talking apples and apples uh, when we're comparing our resources.
0: Good idea. And in the background, there's uh, been quite a bit of work on uh, commercialising the current resource, ore uh, yeah. sorting, heat bleaching. Does that yeah. culminate in a scoping study or uh, some yeah. update at some point?
1: Definitely. So uh, we've done all sorting test work and we've done the preliminary work for uh, um, heat bleaching and we'll be kicking off, well, we're doing the early work now on uh, column uh, heap bleaching, so trials in the labs of that mm-hmm. and so that's about that usually takes between oh roughly 12 to 18 months to complete um we're hopeful of it of it being more towards the 12 months uh so that's all underway which is great and then we're aiming to do a scoping study in the first half of next year um you know supported by the resource estimation work so and that will be that will be good because looking to understand you know the the economics of processing what is you know relatively low grade nickel but processing it in a very low cost low footprint type approach Mm -hmm. uh so i think it'll be great to be able to get through the scoping study and be able to talk you know in real number terms with the market
0: Mm -hmm. all right there we go folks Uh, as i suggested at the start there's um We've got this monster energy transition happening. The two metals that uh, people say uh, we need to be in are copper and nickel, and uh, here we've got Nickel Search doing that, uh, just that in a big way in 2023. So good luck with the law Nicole, Fascinating story, and we uh, wish you all the best.
1: Thank you, Barry. Appreciate it.
0: Cheers.